Hello everyone, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. It's episode 174. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining us. My name's Stephen Hill. I'm here, as usual, as per. I'm one of the guys. Renfrey Deadman is the other guy. He's also here as well. Hello, Renfrey. How are you? Hello. I'm very well. How are you doing, Steve? All right, thanks, mate. You feeling all right? You feeling good? You feeling happy? Yeah, I'm feeling all right. I had to, I've had some blood taken out of me earlier today, uh, so I was feeling a little bit faint before that. I've got a little, see my little, oh, yeah, uh, just showing my wound. He's not lying, everyone. He's not showing lying. Showing my wound to the camera. Was that a short vampire? Yes, yes, that's right. Couldn't reach your neck. Yes, it wasn't for a medical procedure at all. It was, uh, (laughs) but uh, no, I I feel absolutely fine. It was the first time I've I've had blood taken from me in that manner for a really long time, and Mm. uh, it was weird. I was there, and I had this real anxious feeling. The nurse or the doctor told me to to not move whilst the needle was in my arm. Very good advice, and I immediately Mm. wanted to move which would have been a very stupid thing to do. But anyway, strange thing. But I'm fine. I'm good. How are you doing? The brain thinks funny things when you're told not to do something, doesn't it? Exactly. It was very what, much right? that. I Have I ever said this before? I'm not sure if I have. But oh. anyway, I'm going to say it because it's something about the brain. I never liked coffee. I never drank coffee. Oh. Ever. And then when I was 29, just about to turn 30, this is quite a personal piece of information about me, but I, I, I went to therapy. I went to anger management therapy. Okay. And they said... Don't smoke. Do you smoke? I said, no, nope, never smoked. And he went, do you drink coffee? I went, they said, do you do any drugs? I said, don't you do anything? They said, do you drink coffee? I said, no, I don't drink. I said, I've never drank coffee. And they went, okay, well, don't drink coffee. And I went home that night and I went, oh, I could suppose I should, I'm never going to drink coffee then, I suppose. And I had a cup. I was like, oh, well, I'll have one just to see what it's like. And now I drink coffee. <laughs> I was going to say, you drink coffee a fair amount now. I know. I didn't stop, go- I didn't start drinking coffee until I was advised to continue not drinking coffee by a medical professional. There you go. Don't tell people to not do stuff because then they will do it. Would you jump off a cliff if he told you to? No, I wouldn't. I'd do the opposite. I wouldn't jump off a cliff. <laughs> what is the opposite of jumping off a cliff not jumping off a cliff? I'm not sure if that well, is the opposite, is I it? I think it is. What's the opposite of jumping off a cliff then? I don't I don't. I just don't jumping know. Jumping onto a cliff? I suppose it would be. Yeah, I would I jump onto a cliff. That way I go to the bottom of the cliff and I get a pogo stick and I jump onto the top of the cliff. Yes. Which would be probably equally as dangerous. Well, quite possibly. It'd have to be a very good pogo stick as well. Or a very small cliff. Or a mixture of the two. <laughs> small cliff. You can't have a small cliff. Unless it's like Cliff Richard Cliff or Richard? something. Mm. Ah. Uh, I should have said Cliff Thornbury, the speaker <laughs> player from the 80s. <laughs> Shit. Anyway, hey, how's it going, everyone? Thanks very much. That's the banter bit. That's done, isn't it? Tick that off. Uh, <laughs> this week on the show, we're going to be counting down our top 15 to 11 oh. albums of 2021. It felt like you almost forgot what we were doing then. <laughs> I, did, well, I knew what we were doing, but I, would, I was going to, we we're going to continue our top 20 countdown. But if you listen to last week's show, we did 20 to 16. This week, yeah. the top 20 countdown continues with numbers 15 to number 11. We're dragging it out. We're, we're dragging we it out are, this year. Oh, bloody hell. Are we dragging it? I mean, we just spent the first what we on now four minutes of the podcast talking about how we'd get off a cliff yeah on a pogo stick yeah true. it's not really relevant to what we're going to be talking about today but anyway i digress um it's worth saying we're getting fairly close to a thousand subscribers on youtube we've been mm. doing little bits and bobs here and there on our youtube channel we didn't really big this up at all really because there's not really no. been a lot on it before it's like you know my moon face and renfrey's the grizzled visage no one really wants to see that you know but luckily john our uh, our esteemed editor 
and friend has been doing a fine job doing videos on our YouTube channel of recent broken records, the kind of highlights, potted highlights of broken records. Obviously, I'm sure you know by now, on a Monday, we have a separate podcast searching for the worst album ever made, Broken Records. Do go and check that out if you haven't. And particularly go and check it out on our YouTube page and maybe subscribe over there because that would be nice. And some of those videos are really funny. We put one up this week of Matcha Man Randy Savage, Renfrey, the fucking egomaniacal image hungry fool that you are took a different picture because at the start it's got me and him as wrestlers and Renfrey's like I'm not sure I really look enough like a wrestler on this video so we've had it took the whole thing down started from scratch well the, the, ripped it all up just to accommodate you the image that I used was me pulling a an almost sultry pose at the mm. photographer so it wasn't an ego thing or it wasn't a vain thing I was just like I don't look like a wrestler there so why don't I take an image where I look like a wrestler that's all it was but, oh, I didn't do that but, well no you didn't because you always look mean and hard in all of your photos just naturally <laughs> Well, but I look like much. soft, cuddly teddy bear. <laughs> yeah, but th- those videos are very good. We've got a few of them over there at the moment, and they're really funny. They're I mean, brilliant. We can't even really take that much credit for them because we are only like probably about 30% of the content over there. No, actually us. but that's the thing. I mean, I, that's why I can say with absolute confidence and with no ego whatsoever that they are fantastic because <laughs> it's really, uh, I mean, I think we're relatively funny, but I think John's well, the thing. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I, th- um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the stuff that John adds to them just makes them fucking hilarious. And I put a tweet out uh, this week saying that that is basically the highlight of my week when John sends mm. us one of those videos and watching it. Um, th- th- they really are brilliant. So, yeah, we're trying to do more YouTube bits and pieces at the moment and uh, mm. pop over. Even if you've already listened to the episodes, it's worth watching them because the manner in which they've been edited together and the extra bits and pieces that John have put in are very, very funny. Yeah, and they're only sort of ten minutes, five or six minutes, ten yeah. minutes long, aren't they? Yeah. So go and have a look. We got our YouTube channel up and running. We've also got some serious stuff mm-hmm. of us just reviewing albums on there as well, which is sort of serious. But there you go. Also, um, here on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Right Act Podcast, if you'd like to sign up for even more exclusive content, we did a couple this week. We are, well, I say we did a couple. We've done one, which will be going out next week. Another classic album on Silent Alarm by Block Party, which we recorded yesterday. I think Renfrey and I were both quite shocked at, I don't think you should, we shouldn't be shocked when we choose to do an album as a classic album to then go, gosh, it's really good. But I was shocked at how incredibly that album has aged. Absolutely. Like, it yeah. sounds better than it ever has. Yeah. It's fucking amazing, that record. I, I, I like that record more now in 2021 than I did in 2005. And I liked it a lot in 2005. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, damn, what a great album. What a brilliant yeah. record. Yeah. So if you sign up for the £5 tier over on our Patreon page, you get two classic albums a month. You've just had Death Heaven, and now we've got Block Party. And those bands, fairly significantly sized bands. But the two bands coming after that are whoppers mm. i don't yeah. mean that as an insult like a scottish insult i mean massive <laughs> i mean like festival headliners anywhere you go in the world these bands would headline festivals and we're going to be doing two classic albums on some fairly unusual material um if you'd like to sign up to suggest a record for us to do on right ears review you can do that as well on our patreon page we just are about to after we record this record a right ears review on album of the year by faith the more which i believe will be the first time we have spoken about faith the more 
in kind of any capacity other than just mentioning them. Oh, hey, Faith No More. In a, yeah, in a more than passing capacity. It's, yeah. it's crazy, isn't it? Um, and it also, it literally just occurred to me that we're doing Album of the Year by Faith No More, which ties into this quite nicely, doesn't it? Brilliant. It does. It does. Yes, it's like we very good. It. Although we didn't plan it in this case. It's, it's like just... we planned it, <laughs> but, but we, we didn't. We didn't plan, <laughs> we didn't plan it. that. So anyway, yes, patreon.com forward slash write out podcast. You can go over and sign up for writers reviews on loads of people. Everyone from Nick Cave, Bonivere and the Manic Street Preachers to London Grammar, Paul Simon, Spiritualized, Churches, Slint, Manson, Devon Townsend, Misfits, Velvet Revolver, Killing Joke, Cattle Decapitation. They're all there. And two classic albums for £5 a month. Guns N' Roses, Pink Floyd, Beatles, Weezer, U2, Pixies, Depeche Mode, Nick Cave, Opeth, Gallows, System of a Down, Foo Fighters, Beastie Boys, Lauren Hill, Slipknot, Morbid Angel, R.E.M., Neil Young, Smashing Pumpkins. Loads, loads and loads and loads and loads and loads. Anyway, you know that. So go over and have a little look-see and see if there's anything that you would like to sign up for. Anyway, let's get on with this, shall we? Now, last week we did a little kind of preamble before we went into the Albums of the Year chat. And we spoke about the best EPs of the year so we're going to try and do a little something something before we get into the five albums each that we talk about on the show and this week we're going to be talking about the most disappointing records of the year um renfrey mm. define disappointing in the context of what we're about to talk about in your mind disappointing doesn't strictly mean a bad record it can mean a bad record but it can also be a record from a band who you're expecting really really big things from them and they just didn't quite deliver on that does it yeah need much more explanation beyond that well the only reason i said it's because i mean i picked six albums and i would say probably three of them i did find disappointing uh one of them I don't think it's actually bad, but I think the artist in question is kind of at the end of his rope in in a, in a lot of ways, and that would be my most disappointing album. And I've picked two that I'm disappointed that people haven't trashed because they're obviously not very good. And oh, you've I, put more thought into it than I have. Yeah, so I'm going to say this isn't the most disappointing, but I am disappointed in the reaction to it, and I think this is probably the worst album that I heard this year. The Battle at Gardens Gate by Greta Van Fleet. The worst album you heard this year? Is an absolute stench. From a sizable band, yes. I think is an absolutely stinking rotten record. And oh. is absolutely everything which is objectionable and dull and unwarranted and unwanted in rock music in 2021. Seven out of ten then. Go away, Greta Van Fleet. And the fact that people haven't laughed it out of the building to me is incredibly depressing incredibly mm. depressing i just think they're such a <sighs> dull band i mean we said it in the in the in the review you know they are being held up as these kind of saviors of rock and by old people yeah by old <laughs> people yeah and they yeah. couldn't sound older and duller and more boring and i find it kind of depressing like there's not an equivalence to greta van fleet in any other genre really there's nobody making like sugar hill gang style hip-hop in 2021 and people are going this is the future of hip-hop hmm. you know what i mean there's nobody making like really rudimentary six-bit sort of bad electro music a lot of people making 80s-esque electronic music yeah but they're they're making it sound contemporary contemporary 
you know what i mean like it's mixed with the production skills of today Greta van fleet it, it's done none of that uh th so there's no modern equivalence in any other genre of Greta van fleet they're they, they're like jamie cullum or something do you know what i mean they're like when ja when ja jamie cullum's come to save jazz it's like fucking Ian, he's not gonna save anything and then he just was the final a, a nail in its coffin it's like i i I hate Greta Van Fleet. I really, yeah. really, really hate them. You really do. I do. I quite like them, and I, I don't mind that record. I mean, it was nowhere near the conversation for albums of the year or anything like that. It wasn't even on my long list, and I've not gone back to it all that much. There's a song smack bang in the middle of that record, which I genu genuinely think is great. It is very long, and it is very ponderous, and it's a bit dull and wet and bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. I don't think they sound old. I think they sound retro, but I think there's a difference between those two things. But hey... If you hate it, then fair yeah, enough. I, I really hate it. Um, the other album that I would pick on slightly less, and again, this is more about the reaction to it, is The Greatest Mistake of My Life by Holding Absence. Oh, okay. Now, only because what's happened since to Holding Absence, when this came out, I sort of thought to myself, I can see what they're doing here, Holding Absence. They're kind of going for the Radio 1, you know, big indie rock band thing and it's not really the sort of thing that i like hmm. and it would be tempting to go in this scenario oh you know i just don't get it i just don't get it when i hear people oh, i don't really get people love it and i just don't get it but in this instance i feel like no i i do get it it's just not very good hmm. I, I i i listen to it and i go I, I see that and people are going oh my god they're the most amazing band and blah 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 and they've got this inc like mad sort of cult-ish following from the back of this record people have been saying it's album of the year and blah 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 blah. and i'm not saying oh i can't see it i'm saying no it's not you're wrong i i think it it's obviously resonated with a lot of people i think it's resonating with a lot of younger people generally and i think that's absolutely fine when i hear old holding absence i mean i don't think you're saying this and i don't want to put words in your mouth i don't hear a bad band at all when i hear old Hold, no. holding absence a spectacularly average one uh, I'd say they're above average, but on 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 this record they feel like maybe even more average than they did on the first record. Yeah, and I cannot for the life of me work out what people are hearing in it, and I mm. I don't think they're hearing anything. Is what my feeling is in this instance. No, it is the children who are wrong. <laughs> you know, if I'm Principal Skinner, no, sorry, that band are really nothing special at all. It feels like a very young thing, you know. But I would actually, like, genuinely, I would love to hear from people who do love that band. No, I will link them to a Twin Atlantic song and watch them be like, oh my <laughs> god, I can't. What is this sorcery of Twin Atlantic? <laughs> I don't know, for whatever reason, they do resonate with people. I've still yet to see them live, and I, I have been told multiple times that you really need to see it live for it to make sense, and that sometimes is true of bands, so... Yeah, that's true. I've not seen it live, but, you know, and we're talking about the album, and the album itself. I mean, I think when we reviewed it, I was a bit like, yeah, you know, it's it's all right, I guess. I found it relatively forgettable, but I don't find oh, it... Completely, yeah, completely forgettable. But then when you're seeing people talking about it like it's fucking Dark Side of the Moon, and you're just like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah no, yeah. yeah, it's not. So those would be the two that I'm sort of, I'm not really, I'm more annoyed about the reaction to them than I am about the. Well, no, Greta Van Fleet's rubbish, but 
I'm more annoyed about the reaction to them. I'm disappointed that people like those things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I would also chuck in Didorn by Eamon Ra. Ooh, slightly disappointing record. Controversial, yeah. Okay. Well, I just didn't really. I mean, you know. I hear you. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of with you. I just think you're brave. I I, I just, I just don't think that. I mean, again, you know, I, I, I don't. I've, I've heard this. Yeah. And if you're being held up next to Neurosis and Cult of Luna and the very, very best of those bands, as far as I'm concerned, you have to progress. Continually, because that's what your peers have done. That's yep. what Swans have done. That's what all of those bands that we talk about of that ilk, the very best ones of those bands, they've all done that. And if you just kind of put out another album of like, here we go. I mean, this is probably the year where that sort of thing, which I really love as a style, yeah. but it feels like it's, you know, with, aside from some of the very, very best bands in it, it's like we, we had a lot of records this year that was like, oh, you know, it's Neurosis Core. Yes. You know, and I don't think those, if you're going to be considered in the same bracket, and I think Eamon Ra are because their approach is incredible. And they've put out some really brilliant records in the past that, are really, that I think are great that I go back to quite a lot. Yeah. Like, you know, five is fucking amazing. Yeah, and amazing. five, six, and three are the ones that I go back to a lot. Mm. Yeah. And they're a really great band. They're incredible live. They're so heavy. And they've mm-hmm. got a really quite an identifiable fact sound as well. But this is just more Eamon Ra. And I think that, you know, I'm holding you to a higher standard than I would to most other bands because of what you are. So I'm I'm chucking Dawn in there as a disappointment. I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I, I mean, I certainly feel like... I, I like Eamon Ra a lot. But I do feel like, certainly when I go to Armin Ra shows and stuff, that there's a lot of people around me who are just in some kind of ecstasy. And I'm like, I, I, I'm I, not there, and I don't know how I get that excited for this band, if I'm totally honest. I think they are really fucking good. But I know lots of people, especially kind of the Arctangent crowd, who absolutely adore them with every fibre of their being. And... I like them. I think they're they're very good. But um, I, I yeah, I, whoa, it, it feels a little harsh putting it in the most disappointing. But I get where you're coming from, and I agree with you up to a point. Yes. Mm. Okay. Um, a big one which I feel like both of us will have is Arrows by Red Fang, mm. an album of not bad Red Fang songs, yeah. absolutely decimated by the most bizarre production job i have heard in a long 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 time baffling really, production really decisions baffling yeah. baffling decisions across that record really baffling sequencing baffling yeah. production there are good songs on the record buried mm-hmm. in it somewhere and actually i think there might even be a good album buried in it somewhere but um yeah it, it's just too uphill a task to get past all of those things that's a classic example though of not a bad record but very disappointing because it's red fang because red fang yeah. are capable of fucking... so much more than that yeah absolutely and i went back and listened to a bit of it today just to make sure yeah. that i wasn't misremembering it or something and i really was like oh god i just I can't be in this place. I wouldn't want to be here with any band, let alone Red Fang. You're so good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's really very disappointing. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I've got any kind of real disappointment at this point for this band, but because all they do really is they kind of deal in mostly disappointments. But I still really hated Van Weezer. 
Oh, did I hate it? No, no I, didn't I didn't think you. You gave it a relatively decent review. I thought. Yeah, I did, but I just I went back to it, and I was like, because the first album they put, what's the the first album, the Life? Okay, Human. Yeah, Okay, Human. Yeah, Okay, Human. It's a great such record. A, is is it such a yeah? It's a lovely record. It's yeah. a lovely, great record. And then Van Weezer comes along and feels like a bit of a novelty doesn't it it's a f- it's just really kind of flat and i was like Ugh. they and they do it all the time we knew they were going to do this thing and there are times on van weezer where they've got a couple of decent songs on it but in retrospect now it feels so fucking flimsy when put up against okay human which is like a really interesting genuinely interesting unusual surprising record from weezer full of yeah. really good songs yeah and van weezer it just sounds like a sort of you know afterthought you know a kind of cheesy little afterthought to it so which is ironic because because if anything it's the other way around but because yeah, van weezer's yeah. been on the plate for ages well, I, right. yeah, I, mean, I remember interviewing years yeah i was interviewing reavers back in 2017 i think and we talked about van weezer very briefly yeah but it's stuff like you know them doing bloody girls 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 by motley crew and just changing yeah. the uh, i just don't want that do you know what i mean i just don't <laughs> i just don't want it and i think even when the songs are decent and there are a few alright songs on Van on there's, some, yeah, there's always some decent songs on pretty much every week well nearly every Weezer record uh, even uh, Ratitude has uh, if I want you to make it yeah, you don't know about Hurley does Hurley have any Hurley I don't think it? does no, I don't no. Think, I'm not sure the Black Album does either to be honest but no I think you're probably uh, right but so there's always a few on most Weezer records yeah. but even the few here can't sort of it was a disappointment rather than then then yeah yeah, so, yeah. So, the, yeah i mean i just said oh it's rubbish but it's not rubbish it's not rubbish mm. it's just like oh weezer why mm. why can't you just be consistently good like you, <laughs> you're obviously capable of being yeah um okay human was on my long list though for albums of the mm. year i will say because i returned to that album quite a lot over the year and um yes whilst i certainly feel like i like van weezer more than you did um i will admit i don't think i returned to it at all actually so yes no. there you go okay but my most disappointing record of the year and is really because i'm like mate sort yourself out is donda by kanye west oh okay <laughs> because kanye west is capable of so much he's capable of so much and donda will come up again at some point when we do in the next couple of weeks as we're doing this year retrospective because there are moments on it that are great but the release of it and everything surrounding it was just such a mess such a mess and then to get the record and it's so long and you've got multiple versions of the same songs and then for him to release you know recently we've not even spoken about the fact that he's released a sort of apocalypse now style Mm. you know director's cut fucking thing of it and it's like it's over two hours donda deluxe it's two hours and 11 minutes yeah and there's just not enough stuff on it to justify two hours and 11 minutes it's just not it's Mm. just not i mean you know certainly not 2011 minutes but even the the kind of what 97 odd minutes that you spent listening to donda Somebody, like I said in our review, somebody needs to grab this guy and go, no. No. No, you can't yeah. do... No. It's the you Quentin Tarantino thing. 
That yeah. doesn't sound good. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's not right. No. That yeah. could be better. Do it again. No. Do you need two versions of that of the same song making up like nearly a fucking sixth of the album? You do? Are you sure? Mm. I don't think you do. I'm getting rid of them. But nobody will. Mm. And it just means that at this point I'm like <sighs> every Kanye West album you listen to and you go this or you know in the last few years or whatever you go that that is good but it's not great and he's capable of being great and so for me donda uh, it was the first one we'd come to review on the show first kanye album that had come out since we sort of started doing this mm-hmm. sort of thing and i really wanted it to be good and yeah. obviously the controversies with the people on it the chris browns and the mansons and the the babies that are on it as well and you think oh you're just being a fucking cock mm-hmm. i just think stop being a cock and just be a good musician yeah. but you know he's 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 i mean we said it again we said it in the the review he's not he's not right is he it's almost like he needs all those distractions to stay relevant in people's minds and i think the only reason why he is in the press as much as he is is due to those controversies it's nothing to do with his music and it's kind of becoming a it's becoming a sort of thing where kanye west is more of a celebrity than a musician now and i think that's a very dangerous route to go down yeah i mean he's been like that for i mean he's been doing this for a while oh yeah this isn't there's been times where he has been releasing unbelievable music and still doing that and you go well you know what i'm happy for him to be i mean he's obviously batshit fucking crazy but mate chop like 60 percent of this get rid of it come up with something better like you you know so yeah for me donda donda the big disappointment of Mm -hmm. the year i would say Okay, um, I'm going to throw in a bonus one super, super quickly because technically came out last year, but um, we didn't review it until this year. But I'm not going to talk about it loads because it was last year, but Smashing Pumpkins, CYR, double album. Yeah. It all sounds the same. <laughs> Rubbish. Um, my first like proper choice. Now, you you might be like, oh, I, I know that you have a lot less time for this band than I do these days, but I still have faith that Foo Fighters will one day release another great record, but it's diminishing <laughs> more and more and more and more all the time. Yeah, see, I thought about Foo Fighters, but I thought, am I disappointed in that or am I just like, yeah? Or were you just, yeah, yeah, expecting it? Yeah. I think after Concrete and Gold, so I think Concrete and Gold is half a brilliant record and half a fairly meh one and overall it makes a a pretty good record certainly the best record they've done for a while and i guess that put my hopes up but medicine at midnight is just so forgettable and so like tossed away and nothing it's not as bad as this but it's kind of almost like green day's father all motherfuckers in a way you know it's just really throw away yeah it's not quite as bad as that no 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 it's not as bad as that. It's more average than that, whereas Father of All Motherfuckers is actually bad. Um, but yeah, just incredibly forgettable. And I don't like the idea of Foo Fighters becoming, or the fact that Foo Fighters have become, maybe, just a really boring MOR rock band. But, you know. Welcome to 2002, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, this next record is probably the one that I like the least out of all my disappointing records and we didn't talk about it in the end but frank Carter and the rattlesnake's sticky um i don't know what the fuck oh yeah i completely forgot about that i mean it's dreadful that record uh, it's it's really really poor and i respect and love the fact that frank carter will do whatever the hell he wants to do 
and his solo career has been a fascinating sort of lesson in doing whatever the fuck he wants to do and he's done it extremely successfully up to this point i feel like coming back with blossom and doing an album which is going to satisfy a lot of the old school diehards and then going right from this point i'm now going to go off into different directions and you can either follow me or you can't and with end of suffering and modern ruin i very much was following him i know you were a little bit you know uh less sure than me but end of suffering narrowly missed out on my top 20 albums of the year uh whichever year it was released two years ago i think i love that record and i still continue to go back to it i think it actually has some of the best songwriting some of the best songs that frank carter's ever written sticky is just shit it's just rubbish it's just so again really throwaway. really like nothing to it just mm. quite annoying cloying melodies in a lot in a lot of ways i think he was going for a short sharp shot type of thing because it's a very short record isn't it i mean small yeah. mercies and all that but yeah. absolutely rubbish and it kind of seemed to take inspiration from the indie landfill noughties mid noughties scene that we talk about all the fucking time as being absolutely dreadful um and just i just thought yeah. it was a really it was a uh... Fucking it just sounded like kids shit as well. It was like fucking Dick and Dom and the Billy Talent rather than the bungalow, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Crap. I'm really, really disappointed in it. Really, really disappointed. Um, but my number one, I feel like it's super predictable in lots of ways just because of how disappointed we both were with it. But Colours 2 by Between the Buried and Me. Um, I think Between the Buried and Me are a phenomenal band. And I think Colours, I mean, Colours will be a future classic album. It's an absolute masterpiece of a record and it's brilliantly composed and it feels like it's crafted meticulously. Whereas Colours 2 just feels like far more kind of the bring me the horizon approach. They're just like, let's throw lots of things together and see if it works. And sometimes it does. There are actually long passages of Colours 2 that work really well. But then sometimes... It's just a fucking disaster. It's an absolute mess. Weirdly, I mean, the praise for Colours 2 has been off the charts, like really, really high, which I find really disappointing as well, because when I think of all the amazing progressive metal records that we have had this year that have clearly been crafted in a meticulous fashion and crafted with a sense of you know something happening through them a real through line rather than just mushed together I, I just think it's crazy that people are putting this record so high and also just the fact that you know the, the whole sequel to an, a, an absolute classic sometimes i really like callbacks in albums in fact there's a few in my list today that i'm going to talk about which i think are fantastic and can work really really well but i found the callbacks in this particular record just cloying and annoying a little bit like the ghostbusters movie that you saw the other day just sort of like oh remember this thing that you liked before remember this well here it is again but not as good uh, and i just found it really frustrating mm. i don't think colors 2 is a bad record i think that's far 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 too harsh i just i i know between the buried and me are capable of so much more than that and automata one and two the two kind of eps or or mini lps or whatever we're calling them 
those two records i thought both of those albums were absolutely brilliant we both well, i think we liked both of them you know really really yeah good yeah they were really good yeah yeah they were uh, it showed a lot of kind of constraint and brevity within yes bring me bring me the horizon between between the buried and me which is something which is sadly i mean i assumed you were gonna i didn't pick this because i assumed that you yeah, were going yeah, to pick yeah. it it felt like the most obvious one yeah kind of maybe the most obvious one of the year but um yeah i mean i don't i, I do i mean i still rate between the buried and me oh yeah, and yeah i did yeah, think yeah, this yeah. album was massively disappointing but i'm not i wouldn't call myself like a super fan of theirs or anything so mm. i was a bit like well you know i mean they've done stuff in the past that i've not been keen on like coma coma elliptic elliptic yeah mm -hmm. i didn't really care for that yeah so i'm much. not a big fan of coma elliptic no mm. i don't adore everything that between the buried and me do and i and i never have but just knowing what they are capable of and evoking such a phenomenal record as Colours and then it turning out to be that. I, I think I was really disappointed that people just seemed to love it even though it, it, it people seem to love it because it was such a mess. You were just saying there like about reining things in and there is actually some merit in that. And I didn't hear any of that on Colours too. And it's almost like there's this idea that because it's so full of all these ideas, it's so mm. wacky, it's all over the place. It's like, oh my God, they're mad geniuses it's like yeah. no it is just it's like a i said at the time it's in the review that that's the easy it would be the easiest album to write mm. i reckon i could write a song in my mouth i mean i can't actually play the instruments but i reckon if i said to him like go do that and people will be going oh my god do that for eight minutes and keep changing it like it's a fucking piece of piss there's a lot of amazing progressive metal records that have come out this year as well and um whenever between the buried and me release an album normally they are in and amongst the best of those prog metal records but not this year for my money i mean everyone else seems to think that they are still but nah not for me metal fans don't like songs do they that's why <laughs> um <laughs> that's basically what it is i reckon it's <laughs> <laughs> like shouting shouting and riffs bleh, that's what i like good all right well there you go yeah good picks winfrey good picks thank you Sh should we get on with this and do our yeah 15 to 11 picks all right cool so my number 15 is a hugely critically acclaimed record sometimes i might be introvert by little sims is my number 15 and um she's recently won a mobo she won a mobo at the weekend all right i can't remember what it was Great. that she won it for i think it was best female which seems like something fully deserved i saw little sims uh, at the Mercury Prize that I went to uh, a couple of years ago where Dave picked up Album of the Year. And, you know, that was a really, really good crop of artists that played that year, I think. It was Little Sims, Dave, Slow Tie, Idols, Black Midi. There was a lot of stuff there that was, was really cool. But Little Sims really, really stood out to me. So I was super excited to hear this record because she's incredibly dexterous as an artist both in terms of the, the the sonic palette that she creates through her music which i think is you know when i think of my favorite i guess kind of soul hip-hop related releases of the year they tend to be the more broader more analog sounding ones i mean tyler the creator was one that didn't quite make it into my top 20 but that's one where i think like the instrumentation on that record is really good there's a couple of other ones that we will talk about later on as this list progressives but I'm not sure there's a record that's come out 
maybe of the year that sounds as fucking spectacular as uh, sometimes I might be introvert. It sounds, I mean, you compared um, Woman, the opening song on the record, to a Bond theme mm. when we reviewed the record. Mm. And the strings and the percussion and the orchestra the orchestration and everything on it sounds so full all the way through and it's you know it's it's quite a it's quite a surprising choice to make when you're essentially making a concept album about your own rather fragile mental state and i think yeah. i think you know to say like this is what my head sounds like when you bring so much stuff to the record do you know what i mean it's it's 65 minutes long there is i mean i think when we spoke about it some of the interludes throughout the record i know you were a little bit less keen on i think there is a slight dip in the middle of the record a slight it's, but it's a, for me it's only a slight dip and you could take those interludes out admittedly but i think it really you know it, it does tie the the concept of the record together quite well it was engaging throughout as well and for a yeah. 65 minute record that's always you know an impressive feat yeah Yep. It's an engaging record, and I actually think there's some incredible stuff towards. I mean, the song Rolling Stone, track 12, is just unbelievably brilliant. And she manages to be, in the face of this bright, wide, cinematic, expansive, glorious soundscape that she's created, Little Sims still manages, for me, as all good rappers and all good kind of front people and focal points of the record should be you know she's a solo artist this is her record it's about her own journey her mental state um she manages to be the most sort of engaging thing on an incredibly engaging record her voice is brilliant her flow is incredible some of her turns of phrase are fucking amazing and um yeah i just think you know this is this is an album which has garnered some seriously massive critical acclaim over the last year it's and, actually uh, it's, sorry to interrupt your flow but um it is actually the number one album that's been mentioned on the most top 10 lists of 2021 according to metacritic really? yeah wow okay okay i mean yeah i think it's it's a, a really really uniquely brilliant look into an artist's mind you know i think they, those yeah. are the sort of albums that really really interest me when you get a kind of unfiltered but broad look at somebody's thought processes and this record is that it's and and even if you switch your brain off and don't really listen to the thematics or through line or the conceptual idea of the record it just sounds lovely do you really know what I mean? It just yeah. sounds absolutely Lush. again you whack this on with headphones and it swirls around your brain constantly like a sort of like a gas um not like a gas but it like sort of it does but it you know it kind of swooshes in you can almost it's so you can almost see the strings kind of the 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 notes kind of whooshing in and out in front of your face because it's it's so brilliantly produced and so brilliantly well realized um i really really love this record it's so great and i did think to myself after we reviewed it and i know you were like ah you know it kind of dips in the middle and i'm not sure that it needs to be 65 minutes long and i was i sort of went back and i was like yeah because i was really keen on it initially 
and then I went back and listened to it and I was like, yeah, because I was sort of thinking to myself, this will be a you know good shout for a top 10, this album. And I was like, yeah, maybe there are bits in it that, that kind of let it dip a little bit. But I think they're so brief mm. and the highs are so high mm. that it still deserves a prominent place in my list. So, um, yeah, that would be my number 15. It's... Sometimes I might be introvert by Little Sims. Go on, yeah. what are you say, Renfrey? Well, just say that I, I certainly did have those criticisms of it, but I would, just to echo what you said there, I would agree that the highs are really, really high. I mean, it's her fourth album, but, I mean, she's she's only 27. Mm. And she's very, you know, she's prolific. I mean, you know, four studio albums since 2015. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. I didn't realise that. That's incredible. Quite a lot, yeah. Yeah, and there really is a lot of really lush instrumentation on that record and it's not like some albums in of that kind feel like the sort of thing which you could just write and then record and put out like the next day but most of that record doesn't feel like that i don't think i think there's too much going on with it so that's really impressive that she's done four yeah. records in in six years it's incredible yeah yeah, yeah. She's, she's done a lot of stuff mm. i mean she's done four mixtapes as well and she's done some look at how many eps she's done she's done like one two three four five six seven eight nine nine eps wow okay. nine eps since 2014 but i would say this is the best thing of hers i've heard and it's, admittedly i've only heard the last sort of couple of releases i've not heard everything but yeah really okay. good awesome um my number 15 uh, i'm going to start with not the first album that is going to be on both of our lists but i think the first one to come up that has been on both of our lists i you've mm-hmm. already talked about it basically uh it's infinite granite by deaf heaven i said in our review for infinite granite i think back in august this came out that the majority of the feedback that i'd seen for this new quote-unquote direction had been extremely positive which now feels like a a really naive thing to say um i don't know if it was just down to me doing all the research on sunbather for our classic album recently but uh i've kind of realized that there are some very very strong opinions about this album Mm. around the internet which sit on both sides of the fence but as i've always maintained and i think both of us have always maintained to a degree divisive albums are almost always they almost always have something incredible of merit that is that is worth you know seeking and because the people who love it are usually very passionate about loving it and the people who hate it are usually very passionate about hating it a criticism that i have seen quite a lot of uh this particular album is that there are no songs on it which feels like such an insane thing to say about a record that has in blur great mass of color the gnashing other language and mombasa to name what half the record i think about that yeah (laughs) i mean i don't know what criteria those people want in songs quote unquote Mm. But I just don't buy that. And I think it's I think it says quite a lot that when you see a lot of the criticisms and they're criticisms that you can tear apart quite easily, it often says quite a lot about those criticisms and where they're coming from. Um, and I think that's always been the case with Death Heaven. We explored this quite a lot in the Sunbay, the classic album, that people's reasons for disliking bands sometimes are just very, very silly. 
to be honest you know they just yeah. they're, they're often very very silly there are some criticisms that i understand but most of the time i just don't really get it at all the reason why this album is being lauded by a lot of people isn't simply because they it's like the biggest stylistic change they have had so far uh, even though it is quite a natural progression if you've really been paying attention it's because it, it is just a brilliant album in and of its own right in terms of shoegaze records i'm any long-term listener will know that i really really like shoegaze i talk about expansive noise sounds and and wall of noise and and reverb drenched all the time these are phrases i use all the time because i love that kind of music i love that big wall of sound i'm totally aware that i use those phrases all the time but it's because i really love that shit i really really like that stuff and i don't proclaim to be the world's biggest expert in shoegaze but i know a fair amount about it i know my stuff when it comes to shoegaze up to up to a point and for me i mean this is one of the best shoegaze records to emerge certainly in the last 10 years or so and i think the shoegaze revival that we're having at the moment I think it's one of the revivals where it isn't a case of diminishing returns. I think a lot of the stuff that is coming out in these last 10 years or so matches, if not betters, the stuff that was coming out in the early 90s. The stuff from Ride and Chapter House and Slow Dive and Swerve Driver and Starfly 59, My Bloody Valentine. I think this new wave of shoegaze often is as good as, if not better. I mean, Slow Dive as an example... Their first three albums are classics, like they're they're fantastic, but arguably their best album is their comeback self-titled record, I would say. So that is a great record. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. Incredible <laughs> album. And you know, when I think of my favourite sort of shoegaze records of the last ten years, when I think of my favourite shoegaze records for the last ten years or so, whether it's Tired of Tomorrow by Nothing or uh, Every Day I Get Close to the Light from Which I Came by Hizu or Slow Dive by Slow Dive, which probably is my favourite shoegaze record of the last 10 years. This, bar that Slow Dive record, I think this matches all of them. I think it is as good as any of those records. It isn't Death Heaven are dabbling about in this shoegaze realm and, you know, it's their first attempt at it and they don't really know what they're doing. This is an absolutely brilliant shoegaze record. And just because it doesn't have elements that it had in previous Death Heaven records, well, so what? It doesn't matter, you know? And it's proving to be one of their biggest records. I remember during the review talking about Great Mass of Colour, the first single from the record, and how it already garnered a million plays on Spotify in its first two months of release, I think. Uh, since then, it's closer to two million now. And their biggest song on Spotify is Dreamhouse, which is just shy of 7 million. So I expect that, say, by maybe August next year, Great Mass of Colour will probably surpass, um, the, you know, will become the biggest played song on uh, by Death Heaven. And, you know, just because something's popular doesn't mean it's good. We say that all the time. But I think in this case, I think it is very, very good. You know, I think it is really, really good. The album is actually about a spate of insomnia that George Clark had. And in terms of an album musically capturing that mood, I mean, Shoegaze is kind of a perfect album to capture that feeling of having been awake for several days. I 
gets insomnia quite a lot and uh, I know that feeling very very well and I think even when we reviewed it I didn't realize that that's generally broadly what the record is about but now that I know that it makes perfect sense putting loads of reverb on all the notes and stuff like that gives this sense of things not having a specific place and things being a bit ethereal and strange and that's how it feels when you haven't slept for fucking three days you know Mm. and i thought that was a really well executed um they had a vision that they wanted to pull off and they pulled it off brilliantly alcest have done similar things they uh, similar controversial moves they released shelter a few years ago and loads of people poured scorn on shelter and i think we look back at shelter now as a great Alcest record. It's not my favourite Alcest record, but it is fucking great. I mean, you'd agree Shelter's a great yeah, Alcest record, good, right? Yeah. It's fantastic, you know. And I'm pretty confident that that will be the case with Infinite Granite as well once everything's kind of died down around it. It's just a fantastic record. And Great, Ma- uh, great Mass of Colour is one of the best songs of the year, as is Mombasa. And the really exciting thing now is... I had an idea of where Death Heaven were going to go and I had an idea of roughly what each Death Heaven record was going to sound like from record to record. Now I literally have no idea at all what the next one was going to sound like. And that to me is so much more exciting. And if you want to hear just a band doing the same thing over and over, well, I mean, Eamon Ra are doing, I'm sure most <laughs> people would say, oh, Eamon Ra are better than Death Heaven. They're real, blah, 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 blah. But I don't think, I think this is proof that, you know, Death Heaven are taking way more risks than this band that you lord that much and just are and if you want to listen to shouting and some sort of shoegazy thing you could just listen to my number 14 Hello. because that i would say is probably the best example of it uh all year sugar horse the live long after nice. now we gave sugar horse our united EP, yeah. EP of the year um last year didn't we and they were a band who we were very very excited to hear more from and i i feel like every single time we big a band up and say the reasons for why we're bigging this band up a lot of the time 90 95 percent of the time it comes down to dynamics i use dynamics as a sort of metric for something being great all the fucking time all the time and this record and that ep was very dynamic at some points it would be unfathomably loud and then it would be stupidly quiet almost silent in places and i thought that is a really good way for this band to go yeah and they kind of have done that but they've also kind of not done that as well i think and this is what i like about this record well they, they have done that but they've done more than that as well because there are actual hooks on this record mm-hmm. you know there's actual evidence of some really adept songwriters on here you know i i think like personally my favorite stuff on the record is the the great british death cult or you know dadcore world cup i like i really like the long drawn out i like how gruesomely heavy they can be they're not like this is not black metal mixed with shoegaze as some people might sort of suggest it is it's more like kind of Bauhaus mixed with every time I die do you know what I mean it's like hardcore like metallic hardcore mixed with pure goth 
but done in a to borrow a phrase from you Renfrey an almost post-rock style I don't <laughs> really know exactly where Sugar Horse fit in in the current climate because it would be really easy to call them a black gaze band it maybe might be quite easy to call them a kind of a, a noise rock band or a, a really really you know a kind of post metal band or something like that but I don't really think any of those things perfectly scratch the itch of exactly what it is that makes Sugar Horse great. I agree. And I think as much as stuff like, you know, Fat Dracula is three minutes, 36 seconds long. And that feels like a a kind of single for Sugar Horse. Do you know what I mean? Like you can look at it and go, yeah, that should be a, a single. But when they allow themselves to do these industrialized, killing joke-esque long passages of noise mixed with brooding creepy post-rock atmospherics and just pure wanton botch style guitar riffs Mm -hmm. and combine all of those things together and dye it black they're fucking amazing like they're fucking amazing and I, i i have to say i think we said in our review first listen to the record i was like i don't really know i don't it's just it's just as good as the EP, I'm not really sure because it doesn't kind of grab you straight away, this record. It doesn't kind of walk straight up to you and grab you. It mm. kind of sneaks up behind you and taps you on the shoulder and then puts a chloroform rag over your mouth and drags you off into the woods. It's a deeply unsettling record, which can be as loud as the loudest thing you'll hear all year, as delicate and quiet and... I mean, at points, Ash's vocals are so far back in the mix that you're almost convinced that they're not really there. It's like a spectre. And I think, again, that is a really interesting thing to do. And sometimes the guitars can be, like, barely audible. And then they will, within a second, come crashing straight back in. And, you know, like, it makes it sound like it's a jump scare when you do that. But this is a creepy record. It's a really, really creepy, unusual record. And... um I still haven't seen them live yet and I really want to see these songs live because I'm really interested to see how you are meant to react to them and how they pull that off in the live setting. Like they're, I think that will be super exciting to see. They're really fucking loud live. <laughs> really loud. I was mm. just about lucky enough to see them at 229 uh, a couple of months ago. And yeah, they've they they have that Mogwai thing of like being very 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 quiet and then very 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 loud. Yeah, um, mm. and the dynamic like the dynamics on the record are extraordinary, like you say. Yeah, yeah. like absolutely unbelievable. So quiet, so loud, but not but you know that, that quite quite loud thing. It makes you think, oh, was it the Pixies or something? But it's not. You know, it's not. No, it's no. never. It's never that obvious. It's never. I I think I what I like about this record is I never really feel. Am I about to get blasted by noise? It could happen at any second. And that's not to say, again, that it's like random Dillinger Escape Plan-y things. It's just the builds are so subtle and that you kind of forget where you are. It's a really brilliantly disorientating listen, this record. Mm. It's really, really great. And it is... I'm trying to think, is it the best debut album of the year? I haven't got the rest of my list up here at the moment, so I couldn't tell you, but it's... It, one of the best debuts of the year without mm. any question whatsoever mm. really really wicked and i'm delighted that i now think it's the best 
thing that they've put out thus far because mm. i was at first i was like oh you know i do think um you know the ep we raved about it so much and i really i listened to that ep loads last year so i felt like i had a quite a lot you know you don't normally get a debut album and go i expect so much from yeah. this yeah. but i did have quite high expectations of it and so the first few times i was like uh, i'm not really sure and then it just clicked eventually kind of clicked with me and now i think it's awesome yeah really good it's a phenomenal record and i certainly echo everything that you're saying about it not really fitting neatly at all into a genre at all mm. and i think that's because it's really clear that they listen to loads of different music and they are pulling from so many different things and i think that's the way to be like original these days I, I don't think there's any one individual element that you can pick out on the sugar horse album that you haven't heard before but i don't know if you've heard the mix of it before and the way that it's put together um it feels wrong to call it a post metal record it feels wrong to call it a shoegaze album or a black gaze album i remember you bringing up like elements of black metal in the review i was like really and now i've gone back to it i was like yeah i suppose so but even that felt strange because it's as much mm. the cure as well yeah because people who do that they usually really lean in on black metal a lot yeah and go yeah. Their black metal bits are the big black metal bits and sugar horse don't really do that they're yeah, really yeah, fleeting yeah. everything feels for a band who will take a long time to get their songs done six minutes eight minutes you know nine minutes whatever the 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 big sort of flags and touch points of what they're going for they are often very fleeting yeah you know you can get this big what you can, yeah it sounds like the cure a bit yeah but then you go oh, it also sounds like converge and they've not really done anything to change what they're doing it's just uh, a f again conveying a feeling it's kind of an un unquantifiable it's very hard to articulate how you do that as a band but I think they do do it. Which is really impressive after, you know, one, how long have they been a band? One, well, one album, yeah. One album and um, three EPs, I think, two or three yeah. EPs, yeah, yeah. They're an incredible band. Like certainly one of one of the best new bands around at the moment, and they're from Bristol. Hey, brilliant! Hooray! Anyway, yeah, the Live Long After by Sugar Horse. That is my number fourteen. Excellent. My number 14 is the follow-up to my favourite album of 2018, uh, Foxing's Nearer My God. It's Draw Down the Moon by Foxing. Um, after four records, it is still virtually impossible to sum up what sort of band Foxing are, speaking of genreless bands. Spin put it very eloquently, I thought, when they said Foxing constructs their songs more akin to dance producers than a rock band, adding on layers and then stripping it all back, finding a way to make the pop elements strange and the strange elements pop, and then perhaps adding a percolating atmospheric interlude along the way. The part that I think really particularly sums them up there is making the pop elements strange and the strange elements pop. And that is an extraordinary thing to do. And the way that Foxing do that, it's probably the best summation of Foxing I've ever heard. I've heard them be called a post-rock band. I've heard them be called an emo band. I've heard them be called a pop band. I've heard them be called indie. And none of those things are really accurate. Just like we, you were just saying with Sugar Horse, black metal isn't really accurate. A Cure ripoff isn't really accurate. A, you know... Uh, post metal isn't really accurate they're all of those things and they're none really 
The album was produced by their guitarist, Eric Hudson, who uh, admitted that he watched a lot of YouTube videos of uh, Kurt Ballou to learn how to put it all together and to get pointers. Uh, but it also had pro- additional production work from uh, members of Manchester Orchestra, who I mentioned in last week's episode, and John Congleton, who is the oh, mate. best... Oh, mate. <laughs> I wish. Uh, the, the best producer in the world? I mean, like, certainly... He's right up there, yeah. He certainly... Is, you know one of them probably the most diverse i'm i'm yeah i'm gonna i'm quite confident in saying that actually i think john congleton is probably the most diverse producer in the world phenomenal phenomenal producer yeah the best thing about this record is that it has its cake and eats it in terms of it is very immediate because the hooks on it are massive i think that five of the five or six of the best pop songs of the year are all on this record in my opinion um they are absolutely huge i mean in particular go down together the title track where lightning strikes twice cold-blooded and particularly bear stock bear stock bear stock are some of the biggest earworms of the year and they're all on this record but not only that but the more that you look into the album and the more that you look into the lore of the record the more that you discover in it. So something that I realised the other day, the first song, 737, begins with a sort of finger picky Jack Johnson part and then explodes into this big microwave type thing. Um, the band, not not just a microwave. And um, during that explosion, the vocalist Connor Murphy screams 10 lines. The planes that never fly, the debt that never dies, the beacons never light, the moon stays in the sky, the lightning never strikes, the homes I've left behind, the floors I'll never find, the ice that never cry, the love never believes, the dead who never speak. And each line corresponds to one of the songs on the record. And I only realised that the other day. Hmm. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's wicked. And there are so many wicked little Easter eggs in there. So the lightning strikes is a reference to where the lightning strikes twice. The moon stays in the sky as draw down the moon. The eyes that never cry is cold blooded. You know, there's there's a link to all that. And there are multiple links in this record. I did an interview with Connor, which we put up um, on uh, one of the specials earlier this year. And just diving into the album, there was so much to dive into. And when you first listen to it, it just sounds like a really good, polished, well-made pop album. But there is loads in here. There is loads to discover. So much. I could spend the rest of the podcast talking about how much there is to discover in this record. I'm not going to do that. But maybe one day in the future on a potentially classic album, because I think this album is absolutely Bloody massive. Yeah. I think it's absolutely huge. And it, it just has some of the most beautiful sentiments on it of any record the the Biostock song which is effectively about missing your partner whilst you're out on tour i was just thinking about arguing in the kitchen just to be the one that you argue with walk me to your love the reason to walk at all the reason to be homesick everywhere i go it's just a beautiful sentiment you know and it's such a overwhelmingly joyous record when you think of the hooks i'm homesick everywhere i go without you you know they're so big it is such a joyous album to sing along to and there's so much going on on it i just i absolutely adore this record i think it's absolutely brilliant and it sounds nothing like anything they've done before and again in terms of bands who i don't know what they're going to do next foxing are right up there yeah it's um 
good that record mm. i liked it i mean i think the pop parts particularly i really responded to well i've not gone back to it mm. to be honest but i did respond really well to the poppier moments on that record i thought it was you know there were there were a few just like you say really really massive great songs on that record it's made me think i might might go back and um have another little listen to it actually there's a lot more to discover on that album mm. i mean i mean it might there's there's a whole dungeons and dragons thing running through it and there's yeah there's i remember so that, much yeah. there's so much going on it's it's yeah. quite incredible yeah okay there's a lot all right good right okay well my number 13 uh, you might hear me repeat a few things that we said a couple of weeks ago because we only just reviewed this record because it's only just come out and it, had this record come out in October rather than December, then I reckon Wild Type Droid by Failure might be a fair bit higher in my list. As it is, it has got above some records that I really, really love. And that is because, I mean, everything you're just saying about Foxing, about Sugar Horse, about pretty much everyone that we've spoken about thus far, Failure have this unbelievable knack, or as discussed, of being totally unique whilst also being totally instantaneous while sounding like no one but failure but also sounding like every great thing about alternative rock that has ever happened and them coming down back to planet earth on this record is undoubtedly for me one of the 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 highlights musically of the year getting this record i was so excited because they've become over the last five years or so failure just one of my fucking favorite bands ever ever i think they absolutely justify the manic cultish reaction and love that they get from the people that really really love them like any band who have an obsessive obsessive fan base there is so much to pour over on this record and a couple of weeks down the line i think i'm even more enamored with this record than i was when we reviewed it and bearing in mind we had got it a little bit before the record came out mm -hmm. and i did think to myself can i squeeze this record in here can i do that but then just listening to it just listening to it again and again i was like well already it's justified its place in the top 20 because it's just so fucking brilliant and i think as we said in our review this does feel like a a more stripped down a more simplistic version of failure but i'm all right with that because actually they are just such incredible songwriters they are just such incredible musicians and that thing that they said they wanted to do of spacing out the individual elements of the records mm. I think means that again you put this record on headphones and it just sounds phenomenal yeah. it just sounds phenomenal failure are one of the best sounding bands on planet earth yeah, no like the end do you know what I mean they sound unbelievable and when you get that opening four of water with hands headstand a lifetime of joy submarines that's like you know mid 90s billboard chart topping open into a record mm. you know bangers actual fucking bangers there's nothing particularly showy about any of it yet everybody sounds fucking phenomenal mm. but those songs are just suckers onto your just sucker onto your brain immediately you were just saying about you know the kind of hooks that um that foxing have i mean ditto for failure that first half of the record so 
unbelievably instantaneous and they just make you want to they make me want to get up they make me want to move around do you know what i mean they just got that thing where i just like oh, i have to i have to listen to this while i'm on the move kind of thing it's so propulsive as a sound and when you get to shit like long division bad translation and uh, bad, bad translation towards the end of the record mm-hmm. and you're getting that much more synthy 80s roboty very much electro pop post-punk stylings the bowie stuff you know we spoke on the the review that you can go and listen to now we did a full review of the record where we spoke about the influence of berlin era bowie and the police and yes you too and talk talk yes yes we did um or i did anyway um and those things are all there and they're all you know pretty much exactly what i want from a band because the thing is that this almost could feel zeitgeisty this record if failure hadn't been doing this for their entire career so they've kind of predated this stuff coming back into some sort of fashion and yet they still don't really sound like the bands who are doing the more zeitgeisty version of it they only ever sound like failure every single individual element of this band blows my mind but combined they're even better and i just couldn't leave this record out because it's so 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 fucking great i was gonna say i didn't want to interrupt you there but i i was gonna say i i think the only um the, the, the reason why the big reason why this record doesn't sound like Geisty to me is because it sounds so much like failure. It sounds so individually idiosyncratically like failure. There is just no other band. Yeah, yeah. I mean it does have those other elements as well, but there is such a failure vibe to it. And actually I think that stuff is quite timeless, really. Um I like this record a lot. Uh, I, f- I feel like it came too late in the year. Um, I pretty, I pretty much settled on everything by that point. Um, but it is a phenomenal record. And I'm very glad that you've put it in there because um, it deserves. Uh, I mean, failure generally just deserve a lot more shout outs than they get. Um, mm. But yeah, what an album! What a band! I think it would. I think it would have been a lot higher had it have come out in October. I think we could mm. have been talking about an album that would be a little bit higher in in the mix but i just couldn't quite justify it getting this high yeah uh or any higher than this really and i mean it's above some stuff which i have listened to a lot Mm. you know Mm. a lot a lot but i just love this band so much Mm. yeah phenomenal band absolutely Mm. brilliant band there you go wild type droid by failure is my number 13 Okay, so my number 13, uh, full disclosure, a band that I had never even heard of prior to 2021, but... Rob Zombie? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I'm led to believe that they are very revered in the occult underground, and I heard really good things about this record, but I was not quite prepared for what... I heard the ruins of Beverast, the thrall Grimories, Grimories, Grimories. I think. I mean, for I've I've said it before. I'm a sort of uh, I don't want to say a fair weather black metal fan, but I, I I I there's some black metal that I love, but it's only kind of bits and pieces. There's quite a lot that I can take or leave, you know. But the ruins of Beverast do something that is so 
hypnotic and shamanic feeling, almost in a sort of Oranzi Pazuzu way, but they marry it with elements of black metal, industrial, new wave, and goth. There's something really inviting about the Thrall Grimmeries. It's melodic and surprisingly easy to listen to, despite having those dark undercurrents and, you know, being occult-esque and quite frightening in some ways. But I think for a black metal record, if we're broadly calling it a black metal record, and it really is a black metal record in only the broadest sense of the word, because there's a lot going on on this album, it's downright easy to listen to in lots of ways that's partly because the production is amazing but it's also because it's got so much melodic nous going through it i love the fact that whenever alexander von mylenwald i believe uh, whenever he uses his clean vocal i mean there's a lot of pete Steele typo negative style delivery on this record but it sounds absolutely huge there's uh accessibility to it and a hypnotic power that draws you in. It's almost 70 minutes, this album, and it doesn't feel like that. I think three of the songs on the album are well over 10 minutes, and there's this hypnotic pulse to it that sort of just puts you into this state. I mean, it does feel very occultish. When people describe, when people who love them describe listening to Wardruna or, or High Lung or something like that, um, I get that feeling from Bruins of Beverest, like being sort of hypnotised into some strange, almost euphoric state. It's so diverse that it never gets boring and it never drags, despite being very, very long. Mammothopolis is one of my favourite songs of the year. Still relatively lengthy at 6 minutes 22. It's actually the shortest song on the record. But that almost sounds like Pete Steele enchanting some kind of satanic ritual over a new wave grunge number. It's absolutely amazing. And every time I listen to this record, I know one man or one person projects in black metal. That's a huge thing. There's loads of one person projects, but I'm just constantly stunned that this is all the work of one person whenever I listen to the Rose of Beverast. Mm. Alexander von Mylenwald, Wald, apologies for clearly fucking up the pronunciation of that name but he is an absolute genius that he can put this together the ambition on this album is insane kind of marrying that oranzi bazuzu thing to smash style black metal histrionics or behemoth or something like that and for it all to be put together by one person and sound so cohesive and so just so inviting i suppose um it's not often a word you use when you're talking about an album as heavy as this i suppose as black metal albums go it's you know relatively light quote unquote but i wouldn't i mean it's 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 a heavy album you know it's definitely a heavy album but i just i absolutely loved it and it stuck with me the entire year and it came out in February as well. It was it came out a while super ago. early, yeah, 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 super, super early. And I was just completely bowled away with it. You liked it a lot as well, didn't you? I did. Yeah, it's very high in my Metal Hammer albums of the year list. It's very high. I mean, it's not in my list, mm. but it is. You know, for metal albums, it got pretty fucking up there. Yeah, it's a really, really great record, and it's got. I mean, the thing you said about the production is something that I would absolutely definitely echo because 
black metal doesn't usually sound thick and fat to me. Do you know what I mean? That's why I often, you know, when I, we talk about behemoth, yeah. I'm often like, oh, I really like how kind of big and sort of thick behemoth music can sound. And, you know, hence why I'm like, well, are they black metal? Are they death metal? Like, what are they? But if, you know, if this is a black metal record and, you know, mm. it's a kind of mixture of black metal and doom and goth and all kinds of like, I think as, the, as found, the foundation said. is yeah. black metal isn't it yeah yeah, yeah 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 but it certainly sounds for me it's much um it's much chunkier than yes. a lot of the the classic sound of black metal if you like and um and I have a real soft spot for that and yeah it just sounds yeah again dynamically it's it's just much more interesting it's not it, it doesn't I don't really want to listen to somebody just like powerhousing away for seven minutes, like rah, no. rah, 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 rah. but it, and it, it doesn't really do that. It's got yeah. a lot no, more going on. No, it doesn't at all. A lot yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. record. Great record. Good my number record. 13. That's your number thirteen. All right, my number twelve. Again, you've heard us talk about this record quite a lot recently because not only did we do a review of it, it was on Renfrey's list last week. So I'm probably going to keep it fairly brief for this. But Blood Moon one by Converge and Chelsea Wolfe and Stephen Brodsky and d- produced by Kurt Ballou and Ben Chisholm, ben Chisholm. and you know, everybody else <laughs> who was in, involved in the making of this record. I think to live up to, I mean, you sort of said it and we've said it in our review and I'm just going to sort of say it very, very briefly again. For this record to live up to the fucking, frankly, lofty expectations that you would have on it as soon as i knew this was a thing i was like oh my god oh my god and i tried not to get too excited about it mm. i tried not to get too excited because in my head i was like well the last wear your wounds album was pretty good but it's not really something i've gone back to loads the shows were six years ago five years ago i you know i've liked everything that everybody involved has done but it you know who knows maybe it won't gel maybe it won't really work out there's lots of reasons why it couldn't have worked yeah, there are quite a few reasons why it couldn't have worked, but it's just more proof, really. I mean, it, but it was silly of me, really, to ever think that it wasn't going to work because deep down inside, I always knew that it was going to work because that show was just so fucking unbelievable. And Converge have rarely, if ever, let me down. And it's hearing stuff like Coil and going, so you're not even really, you're not getting rid of the converge in converge either it's not like hey we're gonna do a different thing no 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 no, no. we're just going to adapt the thing we do to fit in with this much more ethereal feeling artists that we've brought in with us and 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 the fact that they could balance that i think that's something that we we sort of mentioned it a bit in the review but it's something that in the weeks since where i've been listening to this record i'm like this is still so sonically abrasive and heavy and it being like, oh, it's an it's Converge doing a kind of ambient record. I mean, <laughs> you know, or a post-metal record. Like, I mean, yeah, it is. And a lot of it is that. But Close, Closer to post-metal than ambient, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, when people are saying, oh, it's going to be a melodic, you know. like Because sure. at first, before anyone had seen the shows, people were going, oh, they're, it's Converge going Converge acoustic. acoustic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. all this sort of stuff. It's, oh, how's that going to fucking work? Yeah. Um, and... You know, I, I just think it, it's 58 minutes and 42 seconds long. It flies yeah, by. It really It does. flies go- by with the with the the frantic nature of an of a hardcore record. That I mean, this is ultimately. I believe this is a hardcore record. 
in a lot of ways. It's a, it's a, you know, or a metal record, at least a kind of metallic-y, hardcore-y, post, post-metalcore record of, of sorts, right? There's uh, I think it's a hardcore a record in the way that The Ruins of Beverus is a black metal record. I reckon the yes. foundation is in hardcore, definitely. Yeah. Mm. And even that itself I found kind of vague, like a little bit surprising because... You did think to yourself, well, yeah, they'll probably do a lot of melodic stuff on here and it'd be a much more melodic, different thing. But the fact that, you know, every member of this collective are so present on the record. Everybody has a unique sound to their voice, a unique lyrical approach, a unique tone to their bass or their guitar. And you can pick out each individual from song to song and hear what they bring and how they're adapting and how they're morphing to sort of congeal with these other brilliant artists around them. And I think it's just, you know, it's a really amazingly inspiring look. I mean, even even if you don't like this type of music, even if you like, it's too heavy, it's too dark, it's too depressing, it's too unsettling. If you were someone who was interested in music, the kind of, let's call it the... Um, the theory of music right do you know what i mean someone who's interested in music theory this would be the sort of thing that i would put on from them and go listen to the like listen to cave in listen to chelsea wolf listen to converge now listen to this and see how those things coalesce, coalesce together, together. Mm. and and they do and they complement each other so brilliantly and on paper again on paper it is a strange idea converge mm. and chelsea wolf and Blood Moon is a is something which could have massively blown up in their face. And in fact, it is I mean, I guess we shouldn't be surprised, but it's fucking wonderful this record. Mm. Absolutely fucking brilliant. I mean, again, for me at this point, I mean shit like um Diamond or Damon Coil, Lord of Liars, like there's just shit on here which makes me wanna punch myself in the head repeatedly like that that thing that converge can do has not gone from this record at all no. but yet when you bring chelsea when you bring in that glacial sound of chelsea wolf who to her credit right just absolutely refuses to be knocked off of her her kind of perch by any of the madness that goes on around her she sounds so kind of calm and in control throughout the whole thing while all yeah. this manic shit is going around her. And again, that is a really interesting dynamic juxtaposition for an artist, to, for, for artists to take. She sounds like um, she haunts the record. She's like yeah. this ethereal presence yeah. overbearing the whole thing. It's great. Yeah. yeah. She just won't, she just won't be stopped in mm. doing what it is that she does. I fucking love that. Yeah. This, you know, we've spoken about it a lot in the last month or so last week and in the review, but again, came out quite late and I just, listened to it and just thought it's just too good yeah. it's just too good to not get in the top 20 you know in a really good year coming in late i mean it didn't get in my hammer top 20 albums a year because i didn't get same. it in time same same yeah but it absolutely would have done so yeah blood I moon one i think i'd listened to it once when i put my hammer list together and i just wasn't prepared to mm. to, to to put it in based on one listen because i still hadn't got my got my head around it but um yeah it's a fantastic record um my number 12 is mastodon hushed and grim um lots of new territory was covered for hushed and grim uh the eighth album by mastodon one of the most consistent brilliant metal bands 
of the 21st century. It was their first double album. It's the first album since remission to not have a guest appearance by Scott Kelly from Neurosis. Uh, first album working with David Botterell, uh, probably most famous for working with Kim King Crimson and Tall, both of which are clearly massive influences on Mastodon, I would say. And their first album of new material released since the death of uh, their manager, Nick John, in 2018 from pancreatic cancer. Um, and I think Nick John's death weighs very, very heavily on this album. Almost every note sounds like it's bereft with grief. And I remember in the review you finding that a little bit of a struggle, like it because it's quite a long record. It's 86 minutes. It was a it was a very difficult place for you to be um, in that kind of grieving place for that amount of time. And weirdly, I've heard some other people say that of it, but I find it strangely uh inviting and cathartic it is it is um i mean it is a very heavy burden it feels like that all four members are pulling a very heavy burden on this record but that's something that i really really like about it i think you can really hear that i mean the irony once again we say it all the time but the heaviest songs on this record for me are the ones which are the least sonically heavy so skeleton of splendor and had it all which you know i wanged on about quite a lot in the review one thing i forgot to mention is the guitar solo is uh from kim dial uh x soundgarden so you know oh i didn't know that yeah Mm, yeah it's fantastic and i think this is another thing i mean a common theme in my albums of the year this year and every year really because something that i really respond to with music is discovering more stuff as you uh, through the years with a record i really really enjoy that and i think with hushed and grim i mean it's an 86 minute mastodon record for fuck's sake there is so much going in going on with it i think it's a little bit overwhelming uh at first it certainly was for me and it reminds me in many ways i don't think it sounds like this record at all but i think it is very yellow and green-esque um the baroness record which i mm. now see as a classic album um i think a lot of people would now consider yellow and green a classic album but th at the time that it came out there were a fair few fans i don't think anyone was saying that it was a bad record or anything like that but there were a fair few fans who were like i just don't really get this i don't understand it um and this is mastodon going into new territory and as much as i love mastodon if we're totally honest like the last couple of records emperor of sand for example was in my brilliant brilliant album which was in my albums of the year in 2017 but i don't feel like they did anything on emperor of sand which i hadn't heard them do before if i'm totally honest i was okay with that because mastodon have such a unique sound to them anyway it's it's not like i mean well i was about to say it's not like there's anyone else doing mastodon stuff there's lots of other people doing mastodon stuff but very few are doing it to the standard i don't think anyone's actually doing it to the standard that mastodon are maybe apart from one band who'll come up later um but um you know i it i think the fact that they've gone into these new territories for the first time in i don't know since the hunter or or crack the sky it feels like this album is going to still be showing things to people years down the line um and i can imagine that 
you know the 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 response to the record has been positive but it's been a little bit um a little bit fainter than it normally is for a mastodon album i feel overall and i just feel like the reason for that is because a because of all the changes on it and b because it's such a mammoth record it's such a mammoth undertaking in a year that where we've had a lot of really mammoth records and there's been so much thrown at us especially because there's been a lot of albums that have come out that were due to come out last year a lot of the records that we should have seen in 2020 came out in 2021 so it's been very very overwhelming for that reason but i'm pretty confident the more that i listen to hushed and grim that in years to come people will look back at it and will see it as one of their classic albums it's just gonna take a lot longer to uh dissemble than their other albums um and as if their other records don't take a long time to you know pick apart Mm. as it is um i think it's there's a beautiful kind of melancholy grieving that they managed to capture in this album and it has its own flavor to it that i don't know if a macedon record has had maybe since the hunter um and i really really I think that's going to make it really stand out in their discography in the future. And, you know, double albums, really, really difficult to pull off. Macedon are one of the few bands where I thought, yes, I'd like to hear a double album from Macedon. And they've pulled it off brilliantly, but they've done so, they've done things that I never expected them to do at all. And I think we talk about sort of growing old gracefully. You know, this is their eighth record now. They've been around 20 years or so. I think this is a great direction for them to go in. Um, and this could Hushed and Grimm could be the beginning of a new era for Macedon. And I think some people seem a little bit reluctant to get on board. Some people aren't. I mean, you know, there, there are plenty of people who really, really love this record. But it, it, it definitely, the more time I spend with it, the the amount that it's grown on me is pretty exponential it's mm. it's it's been a, a a huge like one of one of the albums that's grown on me the most since i first heard it to where i am with it now i was listening to it earlier today and there are just so many highlights on it that it's difficult to kind of put them all together and think of them all at at one point and it does it it feels like a culmination of everything they've done up to this point and the the springboard for them to do something else as well and i think that's really exciting yeah i mean to be honest i've not listened back to the album in its entirety which i think is probably the best way to listen to the record i've not listened back to it in its entirety since there are a few songs i mean it didn't get into my albums of the year because i am still wrestling with the record i think there's songs on it which are just fucking absolutely sublime mastodon are unquestionably one of the best bands that this planet has produced in the last millennium in this what this millennium um i think this is this may well be the biggest undertaking of a record of their career i think think undoubtedly undoubtedly yeah i think this surpasses crack the sky in terms Mm -hmm. of the how fucking long will this take me before i get it it could be literally yeah i mean it was literally years with crack the sky before i really was like okay i love this yeah i started off going i don't get it and then i was like i think i'm just indifferent to it and then i was like i can tell this is good but i don't really care and i don't feel like that about hush and grim because i think i now i'm aware of you know, exactly. What Mastodon are doing is 
probably more clear now than it was then do you know what i mean this that was really the first time they dived so far forward into that world um but this is a hard hard record really really hard record and i still i still don't know what i think about it fully you know what i mean i don't know it's great but i don't know how great <laughs> Still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not 100% sure how mm. great it is. I, I, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of predicting there. Um, I feel like number 12 is a good place to put it in my particular list at the moment. Um, but I, I, you know. I still have no idea how I feel about it in relation to the other Mastodon records because it feels very different to the other Mastodon records. Um, and uh, I don't know. There's just so much going on with it. But I love the fact that it, it's really exciting to me every single time I go back to it because I feel like, what am I going to hear this time that I haven't heard before? And I do hear something new in it every single time I listen to it. Yeah, and to me yeah, that's yeah. a sign of a great record so I'm mm. convinced it's great I'm not sure how great it is yet but it's definitely an album that deserves plaudits mm. cool okay alright my final record of the week this is a proper grower Renfrey this is the grower of 2021 for me a record that we reviewed and I was like lots of this is really good some of it I'm not so sure about now Things like Pitchfork and NME and the Guardian and stuff, the stuff gets hyped up a lot. And we often go, eh, don't know, don't know. Is it really worth the hype? Uh, occasionally, I think they get it right. And I think they got it right with Black Country New Road. Mm-hmm. Um, for the first time, their debut album, I was just sort of looking at it and I was like, I think that might be the best debut album. of the- Oh, no, no, there is another one next week, actually. Uh but it's again much like sugar horse certainly one of the best debut records of the year for me like i say when we reviewed it because it's overt posh slintisms hmm. were so so blatant i was like hmm, this is this is obviously good and they're they're obviously good and they're obviously influenced by a lot of stuff i like and there's a that kind of what can be a, a sometimes obnoxious indie nudge nudge wink wink kind of like sneering irony about some of these records that i wasn't completely in love with but as the year has progressed i have found myself coming back to this record again and again and again and again and at this point i actually think it's pretty fucking genius this record Mm. you know it's 40 minutes long it's six tracks it's not a humongous undertaking of a record but yeah it is it's complex in a way that you know you could say is um pretentious if you're you know one of those people who just want to listen to sort of meat and potatoes death metal you'd go oh they're a pretentious indie band and you know i get it a lot of the stuff about dressing kids dressing like richard hell and hanging out with black midi and uh you know being the modern day scott walker and all of those lyrics i can see why that might rub people up the wrong way where black country new road get away with it is that their songs are just unbelievably catchy they're genuinely songs they have hooks i mean i think science fair is a it's a beautiful song 
in a lot of ways it's really kind of lausch i think the the violin the saxophone i think the thing that one of the main turning points for me was in the in the summer when there was no glastonbury bbc did a kind of um they did a weekend of just showing they, they got people to come and play like live sessions in studios with no audience and black country new road was streamed live on that and they did a session where they played i think they played instrumental athens france and either and track x i think so they played kind of half the record mm. um they didn't play sunglasses which i think is the best song on the record the kind of centerpiece the mm -hmm. nine minute 50 long Same. centerpiece of the record i think is a fucking fantastic song comfortably one of the best songs of the year for me if we were doing we will be doing best songs of the year next week and i just was like actually seeing it live made me go this is actually really weird for a, a sort of indie rock band who are getting massive hype and playing on the bbc and getting nominated for a mercury music prize like they're actually quite a weird band to be nominated because they are quite there's a lot of sort of art schooly existential like irony in them and, and all that kind of stuff but i do feel like you could dare i say it mosh to the, some of these songs <laughs> at points you know i actually think you could maybe not fucking backflip slam dance like you could at an every time i die show or something mm -hmm. but they're actually really toe tappingly propulsive and it's not it's not pure kind of atp worship do you know what i mean i think we were doing the block party special yesterday and while i don't think there's anything on this record which is as just instantaneous as a banquet or a helicopter from that block party record i think they do have a similar sort of thing where you listen to it and you go they can often be very slow and very quiet and i think you know that brass and the violin and all those other added elements of like make them sound really jazzy lovely kind of jazz feel to it but when they want to give you a kind of a rock thrill if you like mm -hmm. <laughs> i think they can give you one and that balancing all of that stuff they could be the most annoying obnoxious band you've ever heard if you just cannot stomach that stuff but i think they've actually written enough hooks and enough songs and they've got enough catchy parts and they put enough thought into making it they're much more palatable than black midi Mm. Do you know what I mean? There was the Squid album that we listened to. I was like, well, so you've got Black Midi on one side, you've got Squid on the other, and you've got Black Country New Road in the middle. Squid, I think, are just like, you know, they're another band who've been hyped up a lot. I think Squid is like, yeah, these songs are fine. They're pretty yeah. good and they're quite catchy. This is a nice record. Great. Yeah. And then you've got Black Midi where you're like, fucking hell, this is hard work. Yeah. Like, I don't really know if there's any songs here because a lot of it is just clangity bangity. Like, and, you know, I like the kind of math rock stuff, but. You're never yeah. getting on radio. You're never getting on Radio One with this. And Black Country New Road for me do a bit like. I mean, I think my comparison last year of JJL being daughters on one side and then um, Nick Cave on the other on Skeleton Tree. And you kind of, if you can sit yourself right in the middle of that, you'll have a really cool album. Mm. And I think Black Country New Road kind of doing their own thing, but also sitting in the middle of Squid and black midi is a really really clever thing to do and when you've got a song like sunglasses which does not feel like nine minutes and 50 seconds no, to me it feels like a three minute pop single to me that mm. song mm. it's a fucking brilliant song and you know i'm more than adequate leave kanye out of it leave my daddy's job out of it like there is an there is you know there's that nudge nudge wink wink knowing sense of you know trust fund wanker humor that they've got going on there which could be 
really off-putting to some people but i actually have massively warmed to it pretty much solely on the strength of the songs and the fact that you can put this record on and it's 40 minutes and it feels like you're listening to something challenging but not challenging to the point where it's got no focus do you know what i mean yeah 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 i i think this is a great record this was in my long list um and um i i feel like i still need to go back to it more um because uh i there was just so much this year it was absolutely mad um but it's certainly considering that the post-punk revival really is in full swing and there's so much of this kind of thing it's really admirable how much black country new roads stand out as having their own identity and i think because of these things that you're talking about which some people will hate but then you know the things that some people hate other people love um and uh the sheer expansiveness of what they do and the sheer amount of instrumentations that they have it's an album which i've been telling myself i must go back to that record more and just haven't got around to it uh, but i absolutely want to and i feel like it yeah but maybe it deserved a place in my list i don't know but um uh i just needed to to listen to it more and there was a lot happening this year but i mean yeah. it was you know when i was sort of writing down like what might be in my albums of the year and stuff it wasn't initially on that list right and then suddenly i sort thought sort of my sort of thought to myself i've listened to this album loads and then i was like hold on I mean, I've got to be honest, I do just prefer it to, you know, ultra pop by the armed. I'm sorry. Mm. I know it's mm. not a cool, might not make me hip with Adam Valley, but I am, uh, <laughs> but I do. Like, I just do. So, um, yeah, it got in and it got in pretty high as mm. well. Number 11. Very nice. Okay. Well, my number 11, just to finish things off, actually a band who share many similarities in terms of their expansiveness, even if they do take a very different approach to it. Uh, Illusory Walls by The World Is A Beautiful Place And I Am No Longer Afraid To Die. Mm. Um, A few days ago, The World Is A Beautiful Place And I Am No Longer Afraid To Die posted a, uh, a response to a tweet saying that they were a jam band. They posted the following saying, to be honest, no one can agree what genre we are. Apparently it's prog, emo, metal, indie, post rock, jam core. The post-rock people don't think we're atmospheric enough. We're too atmospheric for the Midwest emos, too emo for pitchfork indies, and some people think we only have spoken word. Um, they're all of those things, and they're none of them at the same time. Again, in terms of... when We've talked a lot in this particular episode about pulling in so many different elements of different genres that you end up coming up with something... Diff- like that sounds very very different to anything else. Sugar Horse. I think Backcountry New Road have an element of that as well. Um but the world is a beautiful place pull that off brilliantly they've always been that band but with illusory walls they have done it to the nth degree they have it's the most ambitious record they have done by a million billion miles um there are so many oxymorons with this record the album is full of eddie van halen type guitar tapping and yet it never feels showy or like the band are trying to just show off their technical prowess it's the most expansive album by a band known for their expansive sound and yet was recorded with their smallest lineup uh, just five core members in the band uh, this time around as opposed to always foreign seven harmlessness is eight and when, whenever if ever's ten uh, it's epic in its length and vast in its scope and yet feels incredibly accessible at all times never pushes the listener away and one moment it feels like a raw punk expulsion recorded in someone's garage. And the next it's got sweeping streams and strings and horns that wouldn't be out of a place on 
a Howard Shaw soundtrack or something like that. It's chock full of instantaneous hooks. And yet the last two songs on the record total 35 minutes and 24 seconds, which is actually longer than the total length of the nine songs that precede it by 19 seconds. Um, there's, it's such a crazy thing to do. It's a bonkers thing to do. To like, I, I mean, I said in the review that it was effectively like two albums in one, two great albums in one, but mm. I think they've pulled it off brilliantly. I can't decide which side I like more. I like them both, but they both tickle different things in me that I that I really really like. I like the the instantaneousness and the hookiness of the first nine songs of the record, but then obviously, you know, adoring post rock like I do. I mean, you've got a fifteen minute song and a and a twenty minute song at the end, which like just build and build and have this massive expansive uh, feel to them. I, I mean, they do it masterfully. We've talked about lockdown records quite a lot, so records that simply wouldn't have been made were it not for coronavirus. Um, but rather than write even more material, the band decided to refine and polish the, and hone the material that they already had. And as a result, I think the 11 minutes and 70 minutes of illusory walls are perfectly realised. It's easily the most ambitious thing they've ever done. Guitarist Chris Tetty admitted that their last album, Always Foreign, felt rushed and even Harmlessness, the record that I think most people would revere as their classic, was rushed to some extent as well. But there's nothing that feels rushed about illusory walls. Everything feels like it's in its perfect place. Even with the extra time that the band had, they missed five deadlines set by the label Epitaph. Uh, so they were determined to make the record exactly what they wanted it to be. And you get that sense that it has been meticulously crafted with not a single note out of place. Everything sounds where, like, perfectly where it should be. Everything is in its right place, to quote Tom York. Um, it's almost intimidatingly good. Uh, in our review, you alluded to the fact that the record was racing along and you thought it was almost over until you saw those two final tracks. I feel yeah. like if they just released the first nine tracks of this album, people would have been, the majority of fans would have been totally satisfied with that. Like just the first nine tracks of this record would have been a great World is a Beautiful Place album. But the fact that you have the last two tracks as well, which again, total 35 minutes or so, and what they do and the way that they build, it's just extraordinary. And like, you can feel the amount of blood, sweat and tears that have been poured into this album. Um, and yet it's been crafted so well that it never feels like it was difficult. I'm sure it was incredibly difficult to put this together, um, but you know, it never feels like that. Uh, there are callbacks to the band's previous records, which I really like that are littered throughout. So there's a phrase on, um, uh, bu -bu -bu oh, on the last song, come off and force that I could pick you up. Our homes are not the kind of places you'd own, which is a couplet that they use in the song Mount Hum, which is the final song on harmlessness. Uh, on Died in the Prison of the Holy Office, there's a callback to 2016's Catamarie Duquette, which is a B-side from Harmlessness Sessions. And there's all these things that, like, if you're a big fan of the band, you can find these things and go oh cool i didn't realize that was a callback to that and i really really enjoy that it seems to be a big thing in the emo scene particularly brand new played about with it quite a lot in science fiction but i really really like that the orchestrations on the album 
are phenomenal. I think the strings during the climax of Died in the Prison of the Holy Office, they not only remind me of Led Zeppelin's Cashmere, but for my money, they're even more impressive in their arrangement and their scope and impact. And that's Cashmere by Led Zeppelin that we're talking about there. Um, it's quite a big song, that. Quite a big song, yeah. yeah. Um, just like Hushed and Grim, just like um, the Thrall Grimmeries to an extent, there's a lot in this record. There are a lot of albums, I think because... A lot of bands have had more time and they haven't had to go out on tour. There's been a lot of bands who have been crafting albums meticulously, really, really um, putting their everything into these albums. And we've got these really long, lengthy, expansive albums as a result. And it's it's felt really intimidating as a reviewer. <laughs> like it's it's kind of like God. There's so much stuff in this one album, and this is just one of four records I have to review this week, or six records, or whatever. Um, but I think the world is a beautiful place. Have pulled it off brilliantly, absolutely brilliantly. Harmlessness remains my favourite record of theirs, but actually I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of years' time, Illusory Walls takes it over because there's just so much to discover on the album. It was a good record that. I mean, I I haven't actually um, gone back to it, but I do remember listening to it and being like, this is a really fucking great record. So, yes, good shout, Renfrey. It's made me think I should go back and do that again. Have it a little, give it another sort of spin because I do, I was really into it. And I just sort of, again, like, because it's been so much. There has been. I mean, I thought exactly the same thing as you were talking about Black Country New Road. So, you know. Um, um, they're just yeah. the uh, yeah. We said it last week. They're really ha- it, it, this is it is difficult every year, but this year in particular, Christ. I think because not only the the sheer amount of records that have come out, but the fact that so many records are so dense as well. I mean, the three that I've just talked about, the Thrall Grimmeries, Hushed and Grim, and Illusory Walls are all really long dense albums that have a lot going on on them um and i know that there's going to be more in my list and your lists uh as as they go on but yeah it feels like there's going to be a lot of music that people are from this year that people are still discovering in 2024 25 26 because there's just so much but hey what can you do mate what can you do what can you actually do well there you go anyway we'll be back next week to do numbers 10 to 6 mm. um just a little recap on what we've done from 15 to 11 i had 15 little sims sometimes i might be introvert number 14 the live long after by sugar horse number 13 wild type type droid i can't say that fucking album title that's the biggest problem with that record wild type <laughs> droid by failure number 12 was Convergent chelsea wolf's blood moon one and number 11 was For the First Time by Black Country New Road. Renfrey, tell the people. Uh, my number 15 what time was... It is. What time it is? Uh, it's 10 to 6. Um, my oh. number 15 was Infinite Granite by Deaf Heaven. Number 14, Draw Down the Moon by Foxing. Number 13, perfect place for it considering number 13 and uh, all those occultish kind of things. The Thrall Grimmeries by The Ruins of Beverast. Number 12 was Hushed and Grim by Macedon. And number 11 was Illusory Walls by The World is a Beautiful Place and I Am No Longer Afraid to Die. Cool. All right. Well, thanks very much for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week. As I said, we'll be doing 10 to 6. We'll see you at 10 to 6. We won't be recording at 10. We'll be doing numbers 10 down to number 6 next week. See you Shall later. I rip off my bandage thing as a last oh, minute? Yeah, like the pyrotechnics. It'll be really, really hard. Partway drive gig, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Ah! Ah!
Ow, that hurt quite a lot, but it's fine. I can deal with it. Wow. Good. Look at the blood on there. Oh, I don't want to see that shit. <laughs> anyway, see you later, everyone. Bye.